Hey, I'm Jesse. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 now, beginning in verse 20. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let me give you a running start. If you weren't in our curriculum this week and you missed this, here's how chapter 15 uh, continues in this discourse on the resurrection of Jesus and how if Christ hasn't been raised, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then we as Christians, we're all in deep, man. We're in big trouble because there's no hope. There's no resurrection. It means Christ hasn't been raised. It means that we won't be raised. It means the ones that we've loved haven't been raised also. It means we've all believed a lie that we're to be pitied beyond all men. Here's a running start in chapter 15, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. All of Christianity hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus. But as it is, that's verse 20, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits as in, okay, it's harvest time. And we have our first apple picking in the fall, for example. But guess what? There's more apples to come. These are the first fruits, but there's more coming later. This is the first pumpkin we're picking out of our patch around October, but there's a whole lot more that's coming after this. He is the first fruits and there's more to come after him. Jesus has raised from the dead and he's the first fruits of a whole bunch of others who are gonna come after him. All who have fallen asleep. This is the text that's used to describe death elsewhere in scripture. In fact, in chapter 11, when Paul used the term fallen asleep, as we saw in our series on the ordinances, see our sermon on, the fut uh, on, on uh, baptism, every baptism is a ruined funeral. He uses the term fallen asleep to describe those who abused communion, sorry, the future and uh, history and future of communion. Those who abused communion as having fallen asleep. Meaning if you get this wrong, you eat and drink judgment on yourself, you'll fall asleep. All right, this fallen asleep teaching is Paul's delicate, toothful way of saying, die, like drop dead. And this is the New Testament. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira from the book of Acts. All who have fallen asleep, Christ is the first first fruits of those who've been raised from the dead, all those who have been fallen asleep are going to follow him after, uh, uh, who, who are fallen asleep in Christ are going to follow him after that. Verse 21, for since death came through a man, that's Adam, resurrection from the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, afterward at his coming, those who belong to Christ. All right, so Christ is considered the first fruits. Adam was the one who kind of introduced death into the world. And then Christ introduces the resurrection. Both of them were considered, if you would, sons of God, Adam with a lowercase s, Christ with the uppercase s, because Adam is miraculously created by God. He's breathed into by God. Now every, every human ever since has inherited this breath of life. Eve was created from Adam. God first breathed into Adam. And then guess what happens with Adam and Eve? Adam is held culpable. He's held responsible for the original sin. But now because of that, we've inherited death. We can't be mad at Adam and Eve because every one of us has sinned too. I've seen this before. This is a, a critique I've heard from skeptics of Christianity. Say it's, it's not fair for, to hold me responsible for Adam's sin. Well, guess what, friend? You and I've got sin too. We've all sinned. Not one of us can be mad at Adam and Eve because Evidently, we all would have made the exact same mistake too. Evidently, we would have all sinned as well. And it's, it's futile to say this because we've all already sinned 
as it is. So even if Adam lived a perfect life, you evidently would have botched it when you inherited the mantle. From Adam, we inherited death, but from Christ, we've inherited resurrection. Just as in Adam, all die, that's verse 22, so in Christ, all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ is the first fruits, afterward at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So the resurrection of Christ is what makes our resurrection possible. If it were not for the resurrection of Christ, all of Christianity would implode. It all hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. This is where faith is unavoidable. This is where in our apologetic series and our evangelism series, we pray for the Holy Spirit's anointing and work because it's only by faith somebody can be saved, not an act of intellectual assent. It's true that Christianity is the only cogent and complete worldview that accounts for everything that was, everything that will be. It's the only complete worldview, but that's not, that's not sufficient to merely convince someone of the veracity of Scripture as a proper operating rubric to, to, to formulate thoughts. No, it's by faith alone, and grace alone, through Christ alone that we can be saved. That's a miracle, and it's not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. Like we saw in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, you cannot say that Jesus is Lord except for by the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Christ is everything. We inherited death from Adam, we inherit resurrection from Jesus. And by his resurrection, we too will be resurrected if we are in Christ. You see the exclusivity of this teaching. At his coming, those who belong to Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. Not everyone is saved. There's not a, this, this text teaches the opposite of a universal salvation. We see very clearly that if you're not in Christ, you still inherit death from Adam. This is unpopular. It's not a pleasant thought. But may it place a sense of urgency on your soul unto the preaching of the gospel, sharing of Christ. Yeah, but Jesse, we're talking about the resurrection from the dead, and that's physically impossible. It doesn't, that doesn't resonate well in a, in a heavily intellectual society like ours. But the Holy Spirit is able to do this. He's been doing it in people in our church. He did it in your life. He can do it in the lives of others. Everything hinges upon this resurrection of Jesus. We inherit resurrection from Jesus. They've inherited death from Adam. Would you invite them into the resurrection this time? Let this passage and the exclusivity of Jesus' resurrection, shared only by those who are in Christ, motivate you to speak up, to reach out, endeavor then to be the one who risks the awkwardness in the evangelistic conversation, in the sacred moment. Would you put the gospel forth? Because apart from the resurrection of Christ, they cannot be saved. We've all inherited death from Adam. May they be co-heirs with Christ in resurrection because you've obeyed the Great Commission. Let this text and the exclusivity of the gospel motivate you to push through the awkwardness to bring up the gospel to obey the Great Commission.